I was thinking this week about when, when we used to live up in Oakland, uh, we had a, a guy move in across the road from us, right across the road, a guy named Jim. And um, him and his wife moved in. Jim, were, Jim was a little older. Uh, he was on a disability, uh, wasn't able to work, so his wife worked. She worked a lot of just long, long hours. And one of the things I remember was prior to Jim moving in, um, I loved my porch, my front porch. And I would go out on my porch at night, and I would just sit and have my quiet time and just kind of enjoy my, you know, the neighborhood. It was nice and quiet, and it was nice and dark. And the first thing Jim did when he moved in is he put one of those great big security lights. And I could actually sit on my front porch at night and read uh, because it was so bright. And, uh, but Jim had put that up there because he was concerned about his wife. She'd work long hours. She'd come home late at night. He wanted to make sure she was okay. Jim, on the other hand, he, he was retired. He was on disability. He he, he would sit on his bench out in front of his house every day, and he would uh, smoke cigarettes and drink beer. And uh, you know, what a great life that was, but we just kind of didn't, we didn't really connect. You know, we, we would wave at each other, maybe shout across the road, but we didn't really connect. And, and I remember one day Jim came over, and I couldn't get him to come in the door, but he, he stood in the doorway, and we talked for a while, and he had a couple things he wanted to ask me. We were talking about the neighborhood and everything, and, and he looked at my door, and he noticed this sticker on my door. It had a picture of a lighthouse. And our church, the, the Kemp Church, was going through this program at that time called Lighthouses of Prayer. I don't know if you guys have ever done it here, but prior to me coming along, I don't think we have since. But uh, Lighthouses of Prayer was a great ministry. And what you did was you considered your house to be a lighthouse for your neighborhood, and you prayed for your neighbors. You would pray for the three across the road, and you would pray for the two on each side. Every day, you committed to praying for your neighbors, and you put this little sticker in your window, and when Jim came over, we were talking, and I said, Jim, I want to show you. He said, he noticed the sticker. I said, that sticker is from our church. We're in this program right now called Lighthouses of Prayer. We are praying for our neighbors, and I just want you to know that I pray every day for you and your wife. And he just kind of went, oh, uh, well, thank you, and finished up our talk, and, and he left. About two days later, Jim came back. And this time, he walked in and sat on the couch, and we talked. And he said, you know that thing that you said to me the other day? Said, yeah, he said, that really got me. He said, uh, no one has ever told me that before. No one has ever prayed for me before. And he said, last night, before bed, me and God, we, we had a conversation. We had a little talk. Now, let me ask you guys this. How many of you have ever... Get your hand ready. How many of you have ever had someone say, I'm praying for you? Anyone? How many of someone in this room said, I'm praying for you? Yeah. Can you imagine living your entire life to the point of retirement without someone ever saying, I'm praying for you? Can you imagine that kind of life? That could be your neighbor. That could be your friend. And it's such a small thing to say and such an easy thing to do. And, and what I loved about the Lighthouse of Prayer was there was nothing confrontational about it. You simply prayed for your neighbor. And when an opportunity arose, you said, oh, by the way, I'm praying for you. And you just kind of let God run with it from there. Just see what happened. There was nothing pushy. There was nothing confrontational. But in, what a huge impact it is on someone's life, someone who's never had that because... 
as I, as I said during our prayer time, you never know what someone's going through. It's so easy just to see those physical things. It's so easy just to know that, that yeah, there's, there's a physical issue here. There's a sickness here. But it's so difficult to know what someone might be going through in that moment and, and the encouragement that they might need. And that's really what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 15. How we encourage, how we help people to endure whatever it is they're going through. We're going to be looking at just the first seven verses of Romans chapter 15. And again, if you're using those Bibles in front of you, it is page 949. But Paul writes, We who are strong, we have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please Himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on Me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I read these seven verses, and we are so close to the end of this magnificent letter. And I read these verses, and I have to say, there is nothing new here. There is nothing that we haven't heard before. There's nothing that we haven't seen before. There's nothing earth-shattering here. But after all that Paul has taught us, all of that deep stuff, after he's, we've plumbed the depths of God's grace, we've come to understand redemption, we've come to understand what it means that God accepts me just as if I had never sinned, just as if sin had never touched me, and what salvation is all about. Where does Paul take us here at the end? He takes us back to you and your neighbor. He takes us back to those most basic relationships. And he tells us, what he tells us is something that Jesus himself has already told us. And that is that the way we love our neighbor is as important as the way we love our God. And, and this isn't something that you've never heard before. In fact, Jesus told a parable about this years ago, right? Jesus told the parable. Someone asked him, what's the most important command? And Jesus said, the most important commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And he said, and the second one is like it. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then, of course, someone asked him, well, who is my neighbor? And he told the story of the good Samaritan. Paul himself wrote in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, that we are to be bearing with each other, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We've heard it all before. That doesn't make it any easier to live out, though. What I love about what Paul is doing here, though, what I, what I love about what we see is here is that we have all of this teaching in verses 1 through 7. And, and it is good teaching. It's solid teaching. I mean, it, it's, it's meaty. It's beefy there in that, that whole passage. Verses 1 through 7. It's, it, it's really good nourishing stuff. And Paul sandwiches all of that teaching between two commands. The first command is to please your neighbor. 
well, that, that doesn't always sound good. I'm looking at my neighbor right now. How do you please your neighbor? And, and I've already heard stories today. Well, you, you don't know my neighbor, you know. Uh, you don't know how hard it is for me to, to please my neighbor. My neighbor doesn't like the way I park my car. My, my neighbor doesn't like the way I mow my lawn. My neighbor doesn't like this. My neighbor doesn't like that. But it, it's all about pleasing my neighbor. So, so give me a loophole on how to please my neighbor. He qualifies this command. Tells us how we please our neighbor. He says in verse 2, we please our neighbor for his building up, for his good. And our example of this is Jesus. In verse 3, he says of Jesus, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Christ died for you, right? Right? He also died for your neighbor. He died for you. He also died for your neighbor. He was rejected for your neighbor. He was crucified for your neighbor. Not only that, but Christ also died for His neighbors. For the people who actually rejected Him. For the people who actually crucified Him. Who reproached Him. Who insulted Him. Jesus wanted the best for those people. He wanted salvation for them, he went to the cross for them. And he calls you to please those around you by wanting God's best for them. So it's the first command to please your neighbor. The second command that he sandwiches it from the bottom with is to welcome one another. And we've already seen this back uh, in the last chapter to welcome one another. We were told that to welcome them. And what I shared with you last week was that when you welcome someone, you accept that person. You accept them for who they are. In the last chapter, it was welcome or accept the weaker brother. Accept the one that doesn't have the same strength that you have, that doesn't have the same faith that you have. You accept that person for who they are. But here it's about everyone. And again, our example is Jesus. He says, welcome everyone, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Jesus didn't welcome you into his church and then turn around and talk bad about you behind your back. Did he? No. Jesus didn't welcome you into your church so that he could pass judgment about what you were wearing or what did she think she's doing with her hair. (laughs) Jesus welcomed you to accept you, accept you just as you are. And so you don't welcome someone to pass judgment on them. You don't welcome someone and then talk bad about them. You welcome them because you want the very best for them. You want them to see Christ through you. That is a tall order for me. That's a tall order for any of us. You know, and you know, let's be honest, we pay a lot of lip service to that. You know, I can stand up here and say, oh, the way you love your neighbor is as important as the way you love your God. And we can say, yeah, yeah, we know it says that, but, but in reality, it's, it's not quite the same. And we read the story of the Good Samaritan, and we realize that the Good Samaritan is the exception rather than the rule. But the help that we gain from Paul's words here is when we realize that we don't love our neighbor on our own. We love our neighbor with the help of God. And he starts off by reminding us that we have an obligation. How many of you just get excited when you hear the word obligation? Isn't that a great word? You have an obligation. You know whatever comes next is going to be great, right? I can't wait. Maybe not. He says you have an obligation 
to bear with the weak, to bear with their failings. And then at the end, He commands us to welcome one another. Welcome those who are weak. Welcome those who have failings. Welcome everyone. Welcome the weak. Welcome the strong. And between those two statements, to welcome or to, to bear with one another and to welcome, we get all of this stuff sandwiched here in between that talks about pleasing our neighbor and, and encouraging our neighbor and loving one another and, and this love that builds people up. Love that will take them from a place of weakness to a place of, of strength. So we have an obligation to bear, to, to bear with the weak, and we have a command to welcome everyone. Bear with the weak and welcome everyone. And I thought long and hard this week as I was preparing the sermon, how am I going to get that into your head? Bear with everyone and welcome everyone. And, and I thought, there's got to be some way that you will never forget those two things. There's got to be some way I can teach you to never forget, bear with one another and welcome. Hold on, just a minute. Wait. I'll be right back. Just talk amongst yourselves for a couple of seconds. Hold on. Okay, I got it. So, what I want you to do, I want you to welcome everyone, and I want you to... Let me hear it all. Come on, everybody. Over here, you guys can... Bear with everyone. And if anyone asks what they missed in church today, you're going to tell them you learned how to and to and that the preacher showed you his bear behind. <laughs> Don't forget that part. Actually, this is not my bear. And so that's not my bear behind. It was somebody else's bear behind. So we're going to welcome and we're going to bear with everyone. So, so when, you, when you do this, what's this? Bear. When you bear with someone, you're going to love this, and I know I've told you this before, but I'll remind you again. When you bear with someone, that means you tolerate that person. If you're the kind of person that writes in your Bible, that's a great word to write there next to that command to bear with one another. It means to tolerate them. You're going to put up with them, even though they're weird, even though they're a little different than you, even though they don't see things the same way you do, they don't believe things quite the same as you, you are going to bear with that person. And you are also going to... Well, I'm going to make you say this over and over again. You know, you're going to welcome them, which means that you accept them. You accept them for who they are. They belong to you. And so they belong to you. They're part of your family. Of course you're going to bear with them. Of course you're going to tolerate them. And of course you're going to welcome them. You're going to accept them. Why are you going to accept them? Why are you going to welcome them? Because Christ welcomed you. Because he welcomed you into his family. He tolerated you. And if he's able to welcome you, then you ought to be able to welcome just about anybody else. So what's it going to take to get your neighbor, get your friend, from weak to strong. It's going to take you welcoming. It's going to take you bearing with them also. Can you do that on your own? You could try. I wouldn't recommend it because it only goes so far if you try to do it on your own. It can never be enough, and that's why we need God's help. He says in verse 4, For whatever was written in the former days, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So who might have hope? We. 
we might have hope. That means you, that means your neighbor, that means that person that you can barely tolerate, (laughs) that you might have hope together. How does the Scripture give us hope? The Scripture shows us what it means to endure the difficulties of life. Those examples are given there in the Old Testament to show us what it means to endure and to trust in God's strength. It's also there to give us encouragement. And then in verse 5, he turns it around. He's not talking about the Scriptures anymore. He says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. He's the God of endurance and he is the god of encouragement so if we love our neighbors and if we want to please our neighbors and if we want to build them up for their good if we want to offer them encouragement where are we going to find that we're going to find that from god we're going to find that from his word that is what we're going to share with them we want to love our neighbors, we want to build them up for their good, what are we going to offer them? We're going to offer them endurance. We're going to offer them encouragement. We are going to bear with them, and we are going to welcome them. We're going to find those things from His Word. There is tremendous promise when we bring God's Word into the lives of other people. There is promise of endurance when we bring God's Word into the lives of other people. There is strength that they could stand through anything. There is encouragement when we offer uh, people God's Word, when we, when we bring God's Word into their situation. Because whatever the situation is, we can turn it around and we can bring life into that. We can bring peace to their problems. You do that when you bring God's eternal Word into someone's situation. You guys have felt that, haven't you? You guys have felt that when someone offered you some encouragement. You felt that when someone said they were praying for you. You felt that when someone sent you a card and included maybe a Shirley card, and they included a scripture in there. A little scripture that, that, that's always been encouraging to them, and, and they thought you would find it encouraging too. And you found that strength. You found that encouragement. You guys have felt it. Have your neighbors felt it? Have your, have your neighbors felt it? I am just convicted that no one No one should ever have to say, no one's ever prayed for me before. As long as you and I are in their lives, no one should have to say, no one has ever prayed for me before. No one should have to say that. Not as long as we're around. That endurance and encouragement brought into the lives of your your neighbors, brought into the lives of your friends, brings hope. It brings them hope. Hope. It brings hope to, to them, hope to us, and it brings harmony. It, it brings us together, and that is a great promise. You can try to fake your way to harmony. <laughs> you can try to fake some harmony, you know, where we just kind of grit our teeth and we just kind of put up with each other, you know. That's a whole different kind of bearing, but, you know, we can, we can try to fake that harmony where you just kind of ignore things. That's not harmony. What is Harmony. It's when you agree with Jesus. Harmony is when you agree with Jesus and I agree with Jesus. Because at that point, it's not just about you and me trying to find some way to get along. 
you agree with Jesus, I agree with Jesus, and therefore we are to have harmony in accord with Christ Jesus. And that's when this beautiful thing happens that Paul tells us about here. That is when we find that we are able to glorify God with our neighbors. So what do we do? What are we doing? We are going to bear, right? You guys don't sound excited about the bear. I was so excited about the bear. When the bear was brought to me this week, I just squealed. I was so excited about the bear. If you guys want to borrow the bear, I can tell you you can get it off of. Anyway, so we're going to bear with each other. We're going to welcome one another. And it's not just about welcoming. It's not just even about endurance. It's not just about encouragement. It's not just about my neighbor needs hope or, or me and my neighbor need harmony. It's why we need those things. Because when we have those things together, what we have, all of us together, is we have one voice. He says in verse 6 that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one voice. That is harmony. That is what we're shooting for. Harmony is not confusion. Harmony is not division. Harmony is not you over here singing or saying one thing and me over here singing or saying another thing. Harmony is when we all come together in agreement under Christ. That is harmony. That is with one voice. It is built on what Christ has done for you, on the way He has loved you, the way He has redeemed you, the way He has justified you. And it's built on what He has done for me, which is exactly the same thing. And it's that realization that God didn't just save me so that I could glorify Him. And God didn't just save you so that you could glorify Him. God saved us together so that with one voice we can glorify Him together. That's true of you. That's true of me. That's true of your neighbor who maybe says no one has ever prayed for me before. He saved us so that we could glorify Him with one voice. So if I'm truly about glorifying God, if that's really a priority in my life, then I'm going to welcome you. If that's truly a priority in my life, then I'm going to welcome you, and I'm going to welcome my neighbor the way that Christ has welcomed you, welcoming you for God's glory so that God will be glorified, so that God will be praised, so that we will do this together. And it all starts with what I want to encourage you to do this week. I want you to bear with each other. There's a lot of people in our lives who are going through a lot of stuff. And only a, only a small fraction of those things that they're going through are they willing to bring to you. There's just a small fraction of the things that they're going through that they're willing to say, yeah, you can pray about this. You can pray about this hurt I've got. You can pray about this ache I'm going through. You can pray about this physical need I have. There's so much more that they will not even let you know they're going through. There's so much that they won't even bring to you, and they don't know how to bring it to God. Some of those situations, we look at them and we don't know how to react. If we're bearing with people, they don't need to be judged by us. 
And if we're bearing with people, they don't need to be condemned by us. They just need us to bear with them. They just need us to tolerate those issues and to accept them. That's the other part. We welcome, very good. We accept them. Weak or strong, wherever they are, let people know that they are valuable to you. If they know that they are valuable to you, then they will also know that they are valuable to God. You know, one of the easiest ways to do that, one of the easiest ways to bear with people, one of the easiest ways to welcome them, is to simply invite them, come and see. Come and see what's happening here. Come and see where I find encouragement when I'm going through rough times. Come and see where I find hope. Come and see this group of people that will not let me suffer alone, but will always be there for me. These people who have committed to praying for me. These people who have committed to, <laughs> to bearing with me, even, even in my own weirdness, even in those difficult moments. Come and see what we can do for you, what we can do for each other, and that together we can glorify God. Let's pray.